You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode nine. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Hey everyone, welcome back to another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast with me, your host, Angela from Angela Henderson Consulting. I'm really excited about today because I've got one pretty amazing person on the show, Meryl Johnston, who is the founder of Bean Ninjas. That's right, Bean Ninjas. During today's show, you're going to hear from Meryl how she has built a remote team of employees based on shared values, which ultimately has enabled working mothers and fathers the opportunity to have a career while at the same time having the flexibility to look after their families with a no set schedule. Welcome to the show, Meryl. Thanks a lot, Angela. It's great to be here. Great to have you here. Now, listen, what's the weather like? I'm obviously in Brisbane, so I've got sun shining away. You're down in the goalie. Is the weather playing nice for you too down there today? It's beautiful. And I've actually snuck out for a surf just before this podcast episode, and it was lovely out there. It was. So, and then listen, I'm not big in surfing. I'm pretty much, because I'm from Canada, your wildlife and everything else seems to continue to freak me out with like brown snakes showing up on my doorstep, you know, et cetera. So tell me a little bit, what was the weather or the water like today? Was it still lovely, even though we're here in the middle of winter? Yeah, it was crystal clear. Blue. It was, was beautiful. It was awesome. Now tell me, and have you ever encountered a shark? Be honest. (laughs) I've never seen one, but I have been asked by a lifeguard to quickly get out of the, the water when there was a shark sighting, but I've never seen it myself. See, like, did you, you, sign, because apparently oh you can't see them if they're about to attack you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's, that's also another reassuring fact as to why I'm like, only go to my ankles when I'm in the ocean. I'm like, oh my God, it like freaks me out. And then I'm the crazy mom on the sidelines. I'm like, kids, look out, look out. And they're just like, dude, who's this tourist? But I'm like, I'm actually a local. I'm just kind of crazy. So, all right, well, that's at least the lifeguards are there. That's a positive to, uh, you know, usher you out in safety. Yes, exactly. All right, dude. Well, I meant, again, I could probably talk about my fear of Australian wildlife for some time, but that's not why the listeners are here today. We're here to talk about your amazing business. And again, we've only recently, I guess, come across each other through another platform called the Dynamic Circle, which for those who don't know is a membership platform for entrepreneurs and business owners around the world to connect. They've got some amazing conferences, amazing local meetups. Um, yeah. And, you know, what's been your involvement with the Dynamic Circle? I've been part of it for about three years now, yeah. and I actually co-founded Bean Ninjas with someone that I met in a mastermind from Dynamite Circle. So it's been instrumental in my business journey, and I've been very involved going to the conferences. We actually sponsored we've sponsored a couple of their conferences, and I hosted a Gold Coast meetup. Yeah, just recently, of, yeah. Yeah, so we ran in a, a weekend event for about 30 entrepreneurs on the Gold Coast. Yeah, no, that's awesome, and they really are – you know, Dynamic Circle taking that initiative to connect people, I guess, really remotely. And we're going to talk about that, too, in a minute about how your team is remote to you. Um, but again, you can be, say, in Thailand, you can go on the membership and say, who else is in Bangkok? Do you want to catch up? So it also really helps with, like, decrease in social isolation as an entrepreneur. But again, I, I'm a huge believer, and I talk about it all the time, about the power of networking and through those wonderful platforms you know, I think that unless you network, your business will probably always continue to grow, but not maybe at the speed that you'd want it to grow. 
I think that's spot on. I, I believe that investing in your own network and, and putting time into relationships is what sets you up for long-term success. And I think it does take time to actually build long-term relationships and valuable relationships and to build that trust with different people and, and to provide other people with value. And I know that that's something I've been working on for about four years now. And some of that is going to in-person events, but also putting time into those relationships because you can go to an event and then, and then not stay in touch with someone. So thinking about how you can help them or how you can stay in touch and, and really working on those relationships. I think it's such an important thing and actually something that I'm educating my team about too and and providing opportunities for them to go along to events and, and helping them or training them with how I've built my network so that they can do the same. Yeah, and I think I love that at no stage in that little paraphrase or whatever you want to call it, Meryl, did you say how you were selling anything? It was all about what can you give value back to someone? What can you do to connect other people with each other? And that's where I think people get it so wrong is people go, oh, I'm going to connect with, say, Meryl, and we're going to do this, and I'm going to ask her to do X, Y, and Z for me. It's like, no, no, you can't do that. A relationship isn't built on favors you know a relationship is built on the fact that you're actually you know liking doing the people for who they are and like you said you're doing stuff like because you want to help them you're not doing it because there's an alternative motive would you agree yeah I think it's that's what I think if you turn up to a conference and you're splashing business cards around everywhere and and trying to talk about what you do and what you sell that's not really the way to build long-term relationships it's more about asking questions and understanding what other people are about and just listening and, and then people might be interested in your story as well. But I think it's very easy to go in and not observe how things work or what what is the relevant context. I think it's actually a lot of us can spend more time listening and and, and then have our say and, and, and say our piece too. You know, absolutely. And I think, you know, for me, again, listening, I could do probably a whole other podcast on the, just the power of listening if you're an entrepreneur. So yeah, it's, it's so important, but yet a tool that is underutilized by probably say like at least 90% of us, like we just, we love to talk, you know, we're always filled with excitement, our ideas, but sometimes like just sitting quietly, I've got ADHD. I'll tell you a slight side, funny story. I did this uh, floating tank, you know, like those float tanks that you can sit in, right? <laughs> I, was, I was in one and I'm cracking up because again, it's supposed to be like relaxing you and slowing your thoughts down. And, and, and I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, okay, there, if there's that many drips a se- or in 10 seconds, I wonder how many that would be in a minute. And I'm like, oh, I could touch my toes. And I'm like, so I got out of this float tank and Shanae was there. And I was like, Shanae, I was like, I don't know if it's good for ADHD people. Like, I was like, it's calm me. I was like, but I just like was like a little kid in a candy store there. And she's like, we were anyways, sidetrack again, ADHD. I can get sidetracked very easily, but yeah, no, it was, it cracks me up. All right. So now listeners, again, thank you for listening along so far. But that is not our main conversations about Australian wildlife and float tanks today. I am here to talk with Meryl about the fact of how she's growing her business, do you mean with remote staff, that she's got a key focus and ethics around making sure that parents, especially obviously moms, but equally dads have an opportunity to be with their family. But I want to go back to, I guess, where you started, Meryl. And from the research that I've obviously found, do you know I mean, from getting prepared for the podcast is, Correct me if I'm wrong, technically you're a chartered accountant who originally started your career in the audit division at BDO in Melbourne, which was then followed by a number of years in commercial roles and a stint as a lecturer in accounting and audited. Now, I can only assume here that when you decided to create Being at Ninjas, there was an element of corporate life that you potentially were looking at ditching in the future. Would I remotely be correct in this? Spot on, 100%. 
I'd, I'd been working in the accounting industry for probably a, bit, a bit less than 10 years and audit is notorious for being required to work long hours. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get away from that. And I actually did some consult. I started a consulting business before being ninjas. And that was my transition to ditch the corporate lifestyle and surf more, work less. But I, I realized it wasn't a great business model for me starting out <laughs> in terms of scale. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It was good initially. I was able to surf more because I was earning a good hourly rate. But then when I tried to grow the business, it was more difficult. It was all project-based. It was a difficult business to scale. And that's where I was talking with Ben, who was facing similar issues. And that's when we decided, right, being ninjas, bookkeeping, something where we can have recurring revenue and consistent cash flow. And it's still in our skill set around accounting. So let's try something that is within our skill set in our industry, but a bit different. Yeah, and so, and that's beautiful because it leads right into now. So the corporate, so technically, theoretically, you're still a chartered accountant by trade. However, it's just in a non-corporate, do you know what I mean, suit and tie, heels, nine to five. You've got to live your life basically to what the, you know, you've got to beg to take holiday leave or your lunch hour, or you're staying eight hours past, do you know what I mean, your exit time for the day. So now, so tell me, obviously, we've got the history down, but give me a little bit more about um, being ninjas. How did it start? Why Why did you want to start it? What was kind of your motivation behind that? The part of it was about building something that was bigger than myself and building, creating a business that was an asset. My consulting business, no one would ever buy it. It was just me selling my skills. And I've always been interested in business. And I actually had a business when I was about 20, coaching tennis. That was my first attempt. And <laughs> oh, I really- cool. It was fun, went for a couple of years and then I realized, and I knew that that's what I wanted to do, but I also knew I didn't have the right skills at that time and that's why I studied and then worked in accounting to really build my business skills, build a really strong foundation. So it's something I've always known I wanted to run businesses, but it's been quite a process building all of my skills to the point that I felt that I could do it. And then with Bean Ninjas, it was about building that asset, building a business that had systems and a team so that, or the ultimate goal that Ben and I were aiming towards was to build million dollar business at, with the intention we could work less than 20 hours a week. Yeah. And we, we still haven't achieved that. And I've actually, I actually bought Ben out of the business about 18 months in. So it's just me now. Yep. And my work hours are still not 20 hours a week, but that goal of always having lifestyle. And that has always been a fundamental part of our business and the values that we have. And that translates not just to me, but other people in the team. So we attract other staff that want to do great work in the accounting industry, but also want to have balance in their life. And whether that's with their family or, or with, we've got surfers, other surfers and other people with interests as well. And, and that's really a core of, of what we're about. Yeah. So that's kind of what you're about. But tell us a little bit more about what is your service? What is being ninjas? Like what what are you offering to those? Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yes. What do we actually do? Yeah. We we sell our services, bookkeeping and financial reporting. So when a business starts, often their focus is around selling to their customers and generating initial cash flow. And then at a certain point in time, if you're based in Australia, then you'll need to register for GST. And if you're in other con- other countries around the world, you're probably going to have to start paying taxes. And it's at that point that many business owners realise they've not kept very good records. And, and that's where we come in. Usually, bookkeeping is not the first thing that you think of when starting a business. 
but it, it is definitely something that's very important quite early on in setting up a business. So you've got accurate records to pay taxes, but also so you know how much profit you're making. And, and that's what we specialize in, accurate records for tax compliance, and then also really good reporting to give business insights. And I think, again, I really, as a business consultant, I'm all about creating foundations because if you can't have your foundations, it's always quite hard to scale. And I believe bookkeeping and accounting are fundamental for business growth because so often I see people going, oh, yeah, I made X amount. But I'm like, well, hold on. Did you account for your overheads? Did you do this? And they're like, oh, no, you know. So I'm like, well, actually, no, you, you don't have a handle on it. So I think they kind of like are all like, oh, I'm making a lot, but when they actually put pen to paper, you know, and actually break down their expenses, like, oh, maybe I, I didn't actually need a third laptop for whatever reason, because <laughs> it's just you and the business. Or, um, you know, and so I actually, I'm probably the few and far between. When I first started my first business, Finley and Me, I actually was told just in a random group to register for GST right from the beginning and just to get into the habit of doing the vast statements, do you know what I mean, every quarter and things like that. So, you know, listen, obviously I'm not an accountant, so always speak with your accountant before taking any advice, you know, but for me, it was really good. So I've always kind of been able to look at where we're at and what we're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, as the bigger you get, trying to keep receipts in order and like all of that was crazy. So I just started with like, yeah, and now I'm on zero and I love zero and it's amazing and it's so simple and it links with your bank accounts and things like that. So, you know, I'm all about going back to the you know foundations and bookkeeping. Do it, people. Listen to Meryl and me. You need to do it. Yeah, that's spot on about getting it right from the beginning, because if you've got hundreds and hundreds of transactions as you as you grow, you get to that point, then it's really hard to go back and change your processes and you're right, getting set up on something like Zero. that's the software we specialise in. We actually only work with Zero and mm. things like having a method for capturing receipts. It's really easy once you've got good habits, but it's just about creating those habits at the beginning rather than when you're a year or two into the business and then it can feel overwhelming. And if someone asks you how much profit you're making or how much you want to be able to work out how much to pay yourself, and, and there's a number of other things like whether you can hire someone and if you don't have good records, how are you going to do that? Exactly right. Or like if you want to take out a business loan, you got to be able to, you know, substantiate to the bank what it is. And I'm working with a couple clients at the moment. And it's one of my key questions I ask in my initial interviews, you know, you know, what are you, what's your revenue? What's your profit margin? What's going on here? And a couple clients um, were like, I haven't done taxes for a couple of years. I was like, say what? And they're like, and I was like, no. So it's like literally top priority. One of them has just sent him through and she, and I kept saying to her, when you actually do it, you're going to be like a, like a weight has lifted because it's holding, it's, it's partly holding you down. The other one's about to finish. But my first one, she's like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for giving, you know, giving me that kick up the butt because it was, it was just weighing her down. And now we've got a system in place with her own bookkeeper and it's better. And yeah. So anyways, I think it's so important because you just get further and further behind. Yeah, that's, right. that's great advice. And it is, even if it's not a big job to catch it up, it is, you're right, it is that weight on your shoulders, that feeling of concern about not knowing whether you've got a big tax bill or if, if you're going to be chased by the tax department. So when you, let me, I want to know a little bit more about Bean Ninjas. So obviously you've given me like a little bit of the background information and what you guys do, but did you and Ben initially set it up with the core ethics that you have now around really accommodating for moms and dads to be able to live that balanced, that lifestyle, or did that come later on down the track? 
It did happen over time. It wasn't something that we were explicit about in the beginning, but I think that was partly because we were new business owners and we didn't know that it was important to define our mission and our vision and values and communicate that with the team. But we were living out those values, even though we hadn't actually written them down anywhere. But Ben had a two-year-old daughter and he would finish in the early afternoon so that he could spend time with her every day. And so that was built into the way that we were working together. We weren't, we definitely weren't working nine to five or nine to seven, like a, a startup or a, a traditional business or a traditional accounting firm would. So we did have those flexible hours. And the same, I was working quite long hours in the, the beginning stages, but it was still flexible. So I was still taking time out in the middle of the day to surf, even though I was working late at night sometimes or on the weekend. So we knew that those values were important to us. And then as we, as our team grew, we started to attract other people who either had children or who had other interests and really wanted that flexibility. And so as, as these people came on board, we, we decided that we wouldn't have set working hours. We wouldn't have a set location that anyone needed to work. And that really provided that flexible environment for anyone in the team. And would you also say that with your level of flexibility then, you, from what I understand, you're not only just based in Australia, you've got different sections across the world, correct? Meeting the needs of not just Australians, but many other countries. Yeah, that's right. So we actually have team members based in the US and also in Europe and the same kind of thing. So they all have flexible hours and they serve, they usually serve clients in the country that they are based in. But we do have some crossover around that too. And again, we didn't actually start Be Ninjas with the intention of serving clients in different countries. But through it was actually through Dynamite Circle that we started to get referrals as well. And I think we had about five referrals. And then we realized, well, there's an opportunity here. We could actually, it, we let's that that's enough clients to justify hiring someone in the US. So let's just test it. And we hired a CPA in the US and, and that was our first foray into international business. Which is cool because if we go back to what you initially said at the beginning is that you, when you were doing like the tennis gig when you first started or when you were doing your own consulting, you knew that you weren't going to be able to scale. And so, again, you talked about being able to have a million dollar business to be able to work 20 hours a week. So I can only assume that by being flexible meeting the needs of moms and dads, but also those who don't have kids, obviously, and then growing into other countries, again, the scalability is much greater than if you just remained in Australia. Would that be true? It's much greater. And I think from a risk point of view, it's good to be in different currencies, operating in different environments and yeah, being being spread out so that if there's a particular region that has an economic downturn or if there's a particular market seg- segment or type of client, that's something we're aware of both from a region point of view, but also we try not to be reliant on one big client but have a big spread of many, many clients. And so we're trying to manage, we're interested in growth, but we're also interested in managing our risks around different things like economic downturns or foreign currency fluctuations I mean that's the accountant in me talking (laughs) (laughs) but also from a scalability point of view there's so much more opportunity where you can actually operate and grow especially somewhere like the US it's so much bigger than Australia so we've built systems that can be replicated in other countries and really and hopefully grow and and really take off in other countries too and I think it's it is 
a touch point to talk about that so many businesses, especially when they're first starting out, is you've got all your eggs in one basket. So they might only have one stream or they're only able to monetize their business in one way. Um, however, I'm always looking at when I work with my clients on how can we bring in multiple revenue streams. So for you, I guess, is your revenue streams are each different countries, a separate revenue stream per se that collectively comes together to make your business. But so many times I'm like, you know, if Facebook, like, for example, how they market themselves, if they're defended on Facebook the entire time, Facebook crashes tomorrow, well, then their business is, you know, tits up for lack of a better word. So I'm kind of <laughs> like, you know, so I really like the approach that you're taking from a risk point of view and that you've really thought about that. Again, like the economy, the, the U.S. Could go into recession again, but you'll still have enough clients in other parts of the world. Your business isn't going to go bankrupt. So, no, I really like that strategy. You talked about systems a minute ago and how you've created particular systems that you can replicate or duplicate in other particular countries. Can you walk me through in your mind as a chartered accountant, business owner, and wanting to have that balance of freedom, five, your top five systems you have in place in order to ensure your business works smoothly, especially with so many different time zones and no set office hours? So we, when we started the business, we knew that we wanted it to run in the, everything in the cloud so that we could, from the beginning, have team members based anywhere and everyone logging in to secure systems. So we, we the first piece of software we signed up for was Google Apps for Work so that we had a central location to store all of our files and to do things like client notes and we, we use Google Sheets quite a lot for calculations. So we had a central storage, central and secure location for that. We also set up Slack, which is a team chat tool, and that way we can, it's a good form of communication and it's a lot faster and more efficient than email. So we didn't set up email accounts for team members apart from them to log into different systems and all communication for the, the team goes through Slack. We use Help Scout, which is a tool to to help this system and we have one central email address for clients and then everything goes into help scout so that we have oversight of all of the communication that's happening from our team out to clients and that means that managers can jump in and out and everyone's clear and it's transparent about all the communication that we're having with everyone we use zoom for video calls and slack is a chat app but we also like to use video as frequently as we can. I think that really is important in building team relationships where you can actually see someone at, rather than just chatting or even audio. And so we try and do that as much as we can because it is hard to, to build team culture when you're not in the same office. So that's something we do there. And then I have to say zero. How could I not say zero? <laughs> How could you not give a zero punch? <laughs> and that's something that we use internally for our own business and then obviously that's something that we support all of our clients with as well you know and again do you it sounds like in maybe for listeners who are going they're like oh that might sound very simple what Meryl's done and you know it's because and I, I think in the world we live in especially with the entrepreneurs faces that I think there's so much noise happening people I think often overcomplicate things than what they actually need to so by just going back down to the basics or back down to the foundations you've you've created a very successful business with multiple do you know what I mean time zones etc by really again systemizing and using simple tools that also are very cost effective like I too use Google you know Google Apps 
Um, again, I don't use Slack, but again, co very cost effective. Zoom, again, very cost effective. And even though Zero is a paid service, still super cost effective for what you're getting in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the tools we were using when we first started, we were able to get the free version. And it was only as our revenue grew that we even started paying for some of these tools. Like we've only just recently paid for the, the paid Slack version. Um, yeah, so it's amazing what you can do when you're first starting out. Yeah, but yet the mindset of so many people is they've got to go pay for everything. But I'm like, actually, the tools are at your fingertips. You just have to, do you know what I mean, allow, give yourself permission not to get caught up in this swoop that everyone else is. Yeah, and I think it, it helps with business growth if you can be really disciplined about your spending. And again, this is the accountant talking. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can really be careful with what you spend, because the more you spend, the more you have to work just to, to pay that back. And you really want to focus on the right things, spending your time on the right things, not just working to pay for costs that you might not even need. And I think I think the more you uh, the more you make, the more you spend. I think it does go hand in hand. But I think, again, it goes back to if you've got good booking, good accounting, you can actually see what's going in and going out and make adjustments on a regular basis. I remember I was at a conference last year down in Sydney and one of the gentlemen there talked about how him and his wife. I should know his name, but I can't remember. They were school teachers. He's like, there's got to be more to life than both of us working, you know, all these hours, making very minimal. And so he actually went into his own business. And he sat with his accountant at the end of the year and the accountant said, well, listen, again, I wish I could know his name. You've made, you know, $300,000 this year, but you're actually worse off than you were when you were a teacher. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Like, how can that be? I'm making, you know, five times the amount that I was as a teacher. He's like, but you're spending actually more than what you're making. And so the, he, him and his wife, the following year basically said it was like a no spend zone. It, like they had like everything had to be approved by each other. Um, and the amount of money they actually saved, like it was exactly the reason what the reason why they wanted to go into business. But the mindset was, well, now I make more, I can spend more. So again, it goes back to good bookkeeping, good accounting and just staying on top of that. Yeah, spot on. Now, regardless of these systems, let's be honest, systems are only going to go so far. What's the one struggle you have, though, still maintaining our team remotely? There's got to be something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, I think it's team culture is a lot more difficult to build with a remote team than when you're all in, have a chat with someone about their weekend or when you're leaving work, you walk out to your car together. It is, it's much harder to, to recreate that environment remotely. And that's something that we really have to work hard at creating those opportunities for team members just to have chit chat about their weekend and, and build those relationships. And also we do try and meet in person, which is a significant cost for a small business to actually fly people around or internationally. But we, we do prioritise that because I think it is so important. But even though the cost of having to fly people internationally, it ultimately would still save you an enormous amount of money from a retention point of view. You're not having to then put time into you know, recruitment and all. I mean, you still have to recruit because you're growing it all the time. It's but recruitment because people are coming and going because they're unhappy, et cetera. So I still think overall, would you agree that you're still saving money in the long run because of the retention and, you know, I mean, really valuing your team members? Definitely. So, so the flexible work hours and the, the good workplace that we've created that attracts the right people to come and work for us. So people that align with our values and that are really motivated and very experienced and smart. And we're able to attract those people. 
and then we can understand what they want out of life and we, and we try and provide that. So we do have very good staff retention. I think and we've got career plans and opportunities because we're growing quickly. There's a lot of opportunity for staff as well to keep being challenged and, and move up. So I, I do think, yes, there is things like the international flights and, and some of the challenges with a remote team, but I think it's definitely worth it to have the right motivated people in the team long term. I mean, if you don't have motivation, things start to stale very quickly, like, and then everyone else's vibes, regardless if you're remote or not, I still think people can pick up on people's energies, especially if you're using a platform like Zoom, where like we are today, and we're seeing each other. If people's like body language, like, womp, womp, this sucks, or I'm not interested in what you're saying, Mel, you're going to pick up on that. Other people are going to pick up on it, and it's going to be a knock-on effect. So, you know, well done for creating such a, you know, a good culture. Nothing's ever perfect, but you've really, you know, I mean, I dislike that you've really taken into the human element of what people need versus, again, having that corporate hat, which, again, I've been in the corporate world, too, where you're just like, they don't really care, and then they, they really, you're just a number, and you're not doing that. So that's that's very cool. Now, in the short, correct me if I'm wrong, three and a half years that you've had been ninjas, you have expanded to 11 members. Is that right right now? We've actually just hired our 12th. Well, yes. well done. Very cool. So 12 team members in a, in a you know, very short span of time. What, for those who are wanting to expand their teams, what piece of advice would you give them in growing their team? I think your first few hires are very important and being really clear about what you're hiring for and what what skills and how they're going to help you and for us our first hires were bookkeepers and that was the right if i if i reflect back was that the right first one first second and third hire for us and it was because we were hiring people that could take over operations so that ben and i could focus on growing the business yeah and that was really important and related to that we actually made a mistake with outsourcing in the very beginning and then we realized we needed to hire skilled people. Our first few hires, we actually, we, we made a mistake, but then we, we, we fixed it and we hired people, two people with 20 years of bookkeeping experience and they were able to actually create systems and help set everything up. And so my piece of advice around that is to think of, I would hire someone to help with operations, especially if you're a service business, so service delivery, and get someone as highly skilled as you can so that they can free you up as much as possible and they can actually create systems and train other people. And you might have to take a hit and not pay yourself as much to afford someone like that. So get your personal finances in order and save up for it and then get someone as, as good as you can afford. Yeah. And I do see that often like, listen, I've got two VAs in the Philippines and two VAs in Australia, but they also have very different skill sets. Like, And I think sometimes problems when I see people trying to grow or outsource is they expect someone to do everything in one hit, but the, the, that is, that's not the way the world doesn't work like that. Like a specific heart surgeon doesn't also have skills on how to repair kidneys. Like he might know the basics, but it's not a specialty. So I do think that when you're outsourcing, like you said, quality people, screen them accordingly. Um, but again, like you said, you might have to take a bit of a hit because you're paying for quality. Yep. Now, <laughs> is there something I haven't asked you? Because as I've said, I love your story. I love your enthusiasm. I love what you stand for. I love from a mom who also, do you know what I mean, has left corporate world because they don't really care about people. 
am I missing anything so that the audience can hear a little bit more about your wonderful story? Because again, this today was more about a feature story. So am I missing any key element that would really be important for the listeners? I think, I suppose there's lots of different topics we could discuss that relate to the Beninja's story. But I think the theme for today was around building remote teams and hiring and building a team based on values and being able to support working parents. And I think that we have, we've, we've covered that. I mean, there are interesting elements of the Beninja's story around things like buying out my business partner and how we figured out all of that and then taking on investment. But I think that's probably not that's a whole other topic. Yeah. I'll have you <laughs> so, back on for episode number 200 and 300. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. But I think in terms of hiring and building teams, I think we've we've covered everything that I wanted to discuss related to that. Yeah. yeah no. And I think, again, like I said, we've talked about the five different key systems that you talked about. So Google Apps, Slack, Help Scout, Zoom and Zero. You've also talked about really the importance of making sure you've got core values that you're following, that you bring on the right type of members and that when you do that, you're probably looking at quality versus quantity. So, again, making sure that you're looking at your finances. And obviously, in preparation for the uh, show today, I may have stalked you, as I do the majority of my do you know I mean, guests that are coming on board. And I, when I went to the website, which is beanninjas.com, I really love the wonderful wealth of blog articles you had because it wasn't just focused on bookkeeping. It was focused on business collectively. So if you are a listener, obviously, you can head to beanninjas.com. But for those who want to know more about your services um, or your social media platforms, etc., can you tell us a little bit about where they might be able to find you. So our, our blog is one of the, the best resources. That's where we put a lot of time into that with weekly content. You could also connect with me on LinkedIn, which is Meryl Johnston, and I can give you the link for that, or also me with on Twitter, and that's the same. Yep, no, perfect. Because again, for those who are out there probably shaking their head going, yep, bookkeeping, not really sure what it entails, accounting, don't really know what it entails. I would encourage you to get a hold of Meryl and her team so you have an opportunity to at least start planting the seed. You might not use her services right away, but it's something that even if you just read some articles and start getting your head around bookkeeping and accounting and how it impacts your business positively and or negatively, I think is always a great start. Now, before I either begin my podcast or when I end my podcast, I always like to ask a question because I think it's important that we don't just know Meryl, who is a Bean Ninja's awesomeness levelist woman ever. But from, you know, you're also a surfer. You like to surf a little. But if I had to ask you, what is the one mantra that you're currently living by right now? What would that be? Oh, putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, that's a hard one. So I have a lot, there's lots, lots of quotes that I love and I read a lot of business books and I can't think of the specific phrase, but it's something around perfectionism and it's, I, I can't think of exactly how the, the wording of it, but it's basically about getting things done and executing and finishing things rather than getting slowed down by perfectionism. So I haven't said that very eloquently, but I think it's really important when you're running a small business to ship things and get things out to customers and learn from that. So don't let perfectionism get in the way of that. Yeah, because I think, again, sometimes you want it so perfect that you don't take action, do you, whatsoever? And Dan Norris, someone who we both know, you know, he talks about failing fast. Fail fast, get on with it. And so you've obviously you've taken the action. You either succeeded or failed. But if you do fail, move on very quickly and onto the next thing. But don't, like you say, kind of sit in that level of, oh, it didn't work or, oh, it's not perfect. Just rock and roll, Matt, and just crank it out. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. At the moment, 
you know, I've got the podcast, which has just launched. I've got the retreat that's just launched. Um, my signature products coming out. Sometimes there are a lot of balls in the air, but it's, you know, streamlined chaos to say the least, but I've got a team around me. And the other thing that I think is, is like, if I don't do it, then how will I ever know if it was, if it's going to work or not? So if any of those three streams at the moment fail, I'll fail fast, move on. But again, I'd rather take, I guess, imperfect action than not take anything at all. That was, yeah, you've said that well, imperfect action. That was it. That was it. See, now I'm a quote master. Just kidding. (laughs) Now, for those of you listening, my team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And of course, I cover all sorts of related business and life topics inside my Facebook business group, the Australian Business Collaborative. Um, So yeah, make sure you head to Facebook and join that. I'd love to see you in there. Now, Meryl, it has been a delight. It's a delight to have you here, to know that we're going to have to catch up for coffee very shortly. I think I mentioned that to you. I'm heading down to, is it, oh, I'm horrible with names, Digital Down Under, I think. Is that the one in August that's going to be at the Gold Coast? So I'll be yeah, down at the so. Gold Coast in August for a couple of days. So I'd love to catch up with you then. Yeah, absolutely. You'll have to come and check out the Bean Ninja's office. I did. I'd love to. All right, everyone. Have an awesome day, no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to catching you on my next episode of Business and Life Conversations with Angela Henderson. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au